By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Visit DairyLaneDental.com. You're listening to The Riding Report with your host, Jeff Carter. Welcome to the Riding Report. I'm Jeff Carter, and with me on the phone today, we have MPP Norm Miller, the MPP for Perry Sound Muskoka. Welcome, welcome, Norm. How are you? I'm great, thanks, Jeff, and uh, nice to be able to talk with you. Yeah, now, um, time is, you know, slowly ticking away to the end of this government's mandate. And uh, at that point, uh, until uh, somebody else is reelected, you're going to continue to be our MP. But, you know, quite honestly, it's, well, going to be up to, uh, I guess, Mayor Graydon-Smith out of Bracebridge to continue on with uh, your particular job if he gets elected. Are you looking forward to, uh, I guess, the, the end of public life? Uh, yes, I am looking forward to it. It's been, it will have been 21 years that I will have been the MPP, and uh, it's been a great experience, and it's been an honor to represent the people of Perry Sound Muskoka, but uh, I, I turned uh, 66 a few weeks ago, and uh Pretty bit, had a pretty busy life the last 46 years, so there's things that take more time to do that I would like to have the opportunity to be able to do in, in retirement. I certainly wish uh, Graydon as the PC candidate well in, in the upcoming election, and uh, you know I, I think he will do well, but uh, I'm the MPP until I think it's when the writ is dropped, which is around the 1st of May. Right. Now, looking back at your career... Let's talk about the high points and and the low points. What what do you think uh, they were? Um, well, I would say uh, in, in terms of uh, I figured if you were going to talk about this, you might ask about regrets. And I'd say one of the regrets is um, not being in government more of the twenty one years. And you know, the great majority of the time I was at Queens Park, I was in opposition. Um, and I'd say regret was that when John Tory was leader of our party, I really felt that he should have, uh, had he played his cards a little better, should have been premier of the province. <laughs> so I was disappointed by that. But, uh, you know, I, I have been able to do a lot, of, especially uh, through private members' bills. I'm really pleased that, uh, this, that our hospitals in recent years have finally gotten uh, more funding for 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 medium-sized hospitals. Although now with COVID, there's huge challenges for our healthcare system. But most of the time, I was the member, uh, and most of it in opposition. Pretty much every year, I had to go to the Minister of Health and ask for more funding to bail out uh, and balance the books of Muskoka Algonquin Healthcare. And I'm pleased that they forecast for the next five years a balanced budget and have had a substantial increase in their in their funding. Was that more of a thing that you had to do like a ritual to ask for more money or and, and they would, you know, grant you to, you know, to write off the deficit each and every year that you asked or was it always sort of like you never knew how successful you were going to be with that? Oh, you, you, it was 
not a for sure thing at all. I mean, I would uh, generally, the way it worked, would work, would meet with the Muskoka Algonquin Healthcare, hear about their very specific ask, you know, whether, you know, maybe $1.6 million, and then I would go and speak to the Minister of Health and, uh, and uh, make their case. Um, and the, the great majority of the time, you know, that funding did come, so that was, that was positive, but it's not the way you should have to do it. You should be able to plan for multi-years and, and be able to deliver the health care you want to deliver. Mm-hmm. Now, high points of your career, what were they? There's got to be a few. You know, I, I think uh, when I look at some of the private members' bills that I passed, the last two I introduced actually became law, the Keeping Polystyrene Out of Ontario's Lakes and Rivers Act is now the law, so that you can't build floating docks with unencapsulated styrofoam. And uh, prior to that, the uh, Occupier Liability Amendment Act to uh, make a, a snow removal more more uh, affordable in the province and for all the snow removal companies around the province. Those two private members bills both became law. I had a, a private members bill on paved shoulders, which I debated a few times in past second reading, and I think that made a substantial, a substantial change in the way provincial highways, many have paved shoulders now. I know in the Perry Sound area they're repaving Highway 124 is as we speak, and they are putting paved shoulder on it for cycling and other usages. And they're paving the, they're rebuilding the highway from Kilbert Provincial Park, Highway 559, and it will have paved shoulders. So I think I have made a difference in terms of the that that that, that infrastructure across the province. Okay. Now, tell me um, what it was like to uh, finally uh, uh, get into power when uh, the last election uh, was held. What was the difference between always being in opposition versus, um, you know, now being the party in charge? Yeah, I think I always had really good relations with the government when in opposition and, you know, good personal relations with ministers. And I do believe that makes a difference. However, when you're in government, it's a bit more of a direct connection in terms of, uh, you know, whatever the issue might be, uh, more of a direct line to ministers, more of a, uh, uh, more of a direct connection to, to actually uh, make things happen. So that, that is different. Having said that, I think it's good for all and politicians to both serve in government and in opposition to see both sides of the legislature. And I, I don't regret the time in opposition. I just regret that most of my time was in, was in opposition. Right. Now, being in power is one thing, and then being in power during a pandemic is another. How did uh, that sort of play out uh, when you were trying to get things done? Yeah, I would say, you know, as, as it's been tough for everybody, um, it's been a, a challenging couple of years for, uh, it, 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 certainly for, our, for myself and for my office, uh, mainly working from home, but at Queen's Park, in cohorts and just changing conditions all the time and huge challenges for for small businesses that, you know, a lot of the time haven't been able to open or have changing rules. So, uh, you know, it's, it's been a challenging couple of years. And a lot of the fun things you get to do as a politician going around to events and fall fairs and different things didn't happen in the last two years as well. So, uh, yeah, the last two years have been, been challenging. I know I had... Uh, Jesse Crisp, who was my uh, constituency person in Perry Sound, and she, she actually was 
what I kind of inherited her. She was working for Ernie Eves before I was elected, so 21 years ago, and she worked for him the whole 20 years he was there. And so it's been over 40 years that she's been a constituency assistant, and she just finally, uh, this past June, decided to retire in her, I think, in mid-70s age. And I asked her, you know, about uh, the last couple of years, and she did say it was the hardest of the whole time that she was in that position as a constituency assistant. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, it's been, been a tough couple of years, but not uh, not just for politicians, but for so much for businesses, et cetera, and individuals. Do you think that the uh, public health officials sort of tied the hands of the government uh, in this last couple of years? I, well, no, I think the public health officials are the experts on public health, and I think, you know, what the, our government has been doing has been following their, their, their advice, and I think that's been the sensible thing to do. Having said that, you know, I think uh, two years into COVID, I think we're all... You know, I think everybody's very frustrated with by it at this stage. I think the, you know, the truckers going to Ottawa is, you know, it's more than just a fringe. It's it's kind of uh, demonstrating that lots of different things, but especially that people are just frustrated after a couple of years of wanting to get back to a more, whatever the new normal will be, back to a more normal uh, okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit more with MPP Norm Miller. Your source for community. Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Visit DairyLaneDental.com. You're listening to The Riding Report. And welcome back to The Riding Report. I'm Jeff Carter, and I'm with MPP Norm Miller, the MPP for Perry Sound, Muskoka. Now, Norm, the government, your government, has uh, just, uh, I guess, announced that uh, they're going to start loosening some of the restrictions and allowing, you know, places that have been previously shuttered more than once, uh, the ability to uh, reopen and try and, you know, get back into gear. Uh, I know there are a lot of other businesses that, you know, have been open, but, you know, the the uh, they haven't been able to conduct business because there's really no business to have if they are supportive of other businesses. And, you know, other businesses just are, are you know, basically watching what they spend, etc. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of help for these people. Do you have any advice for uh, businesses that are suffering that don't qualify under, you know, your current government's rules as to what they should do or, you know, how they can get some support seeing as they've lost their livelihoods? Yes. Uh, thanks for that, that question, Jeff. And I should just state that I, I'm feeling fairly optimistic at this stage of, of COVID after a long two years. You know, the main thing we're measuring these days seems to be hospitalization, and that's down to below 3,000 and number of people in, in ICUs, less than 600. Um, and today marks the first day of the phased reopening plan, and there's things like antiviral drugs, Paxlovid, that are out that can also help. So, you know, I think the Chief Medical Officer of Health has said that we're, we're going to have to learn to live with COVID, and I, I feel we're at the stage where now it's going to be something like the flu, and perhaps we'll have to get a booster once a year, but we're going to just learn to live with it, and things are going to open as planned. In terms of support for business, so in this most recent uh, restrict, restricted time, uh, 
lot of the programs to help those businesses that either that had to close, so for example, restaurants and gyms, is the Ontario Business Cost Rebate Program. So if, if you were a gym and had to close, then you can get property tax and energy costs, 100% of those uh, refunded to you. And if you were a business that had this, had restrictions, like a restaurant or retail that had a 50% restriction, then you can get 50% of your property tax and energy costs uh, retroactive back to December 19th covered. And also there was a third wave of the uh, small business relief grant is also available an additional $10,000 to help, help businesses. And as well, uh, for anyone, you don't have to apply, that the uh, electricity prices have been frozen at the at the minimum price, 8.2 cents kilowatt hour for 21 days starting on January 18th. So not, not something you have to apply for. That's for small business, for farms, and for people working at home, and they don't have to apply. And there is apparently a scam around... Uh, asking people to apply for it, you don't have to apply for that to off-peak electricity rate freeze. It just happens automatically. Okay. All right. So, uh, but, you know, if you're not in a restricted business, but you basically have seen the, I guess, the floor fall out underneath you because you rely on other businesses to, you know, support you by you know, buying their services. If if you're not suffering a restriction, is there anything available for these businesses that are, you know, basically not making any sales? So I would say not every business is going to be covered, but for example, in our area, we have a lot of tourism businesses. So I'm going this year, as things recover, the Ontario government has put in place a state staycation tax credit to try to encourage people to take holidays or use... Uh, accommodation facilities and business areas within Ontario. So that's going to be in a 20% credit. I think if you spend as an individual $1,000, you get a 20% credit or $200 on that. Or if you're a family and spend $2,000, you get you get $400 in a tax credit. By And, and you're supporting, you know, whether it's in the Huntsville area, Deerhurst, or or other accommodation businesses and, and the associated businesses. Uh, activities that go along with it so uh, you know that's something that can support your business so i would just encourage everybody to get out and visit your local restaurant buy things in your local area as much as possible because it's more important than ever to support those businesses many that are i'm sure just struggling to survive uh, through to this point and hopefully it's going to do nothing but get better from this point on all right. Now, let's talk about the um, timeline for reopening. We just, um, you know, relax things a little bit. Um, no longer do we need to contact Trace at area businesses. Um, obviously, we've opened up restaurants, we've opened up gyms and a number of different restricted uh, businesses. But on, I believe, February the uh, 21st is the next round of, I guess, the loosening of restrictions. Does the government have any idea what might be uh, opened up at that? point yeah, I, I think i don't have the exact numbers but basically i think we're at 50 percent for restaurants 50 percent for for religious ceremonies 50 percent for for gyms and you know at a spectator event for example it's 500 people at, at this stage and basically uh, in the next stage things open up significantly more you know we're 10 people inside 25 outside all those things uh, increase and then there's one final stage after that, but no earlier than three weeks mm-hmm. after that. So, 
Uh, you know, you can go out and dine in your local restaurant now, so I would encourage mm-hmm. people to do so, and I would encourage you to go use the gym in a safe manner as well. Do you think that in April, mid-April, after the 21-day cycle is done for the March announcements, that, you know, all restrictions will be off at that point? I, I certainly hope so. I, you know, I, I'm encouraged by by Dr. Moore, Chief Medical Officer, you know, his statement just a few days ago where he says, uh, we're going to just have to learn to live with it. I think it's going to be just like the annual flu, and we'll probably get a booster each year and maybe take a few other precautions, but otherwise it's just something that we're going to deal with is, is my best guess as to the way I think things are going to go. And, then, you know, I'm, I'm encouraged that because I, I think we're all tired of having restrictions. Absolutely. Now, you know, earlier in the pandemic, we were talking about, you know, improvements to uh, school HVAC systems and uh, air conditioning in uh, long-term care homes. Has your government got all of that done now, two years after you thought you should have it done? Yeah, I think in terms of in the education system, the government has spent a lot of money, billions of dollars, Making, trying to make schools as safe as possible and do all the measures to make schools as possible, safe as possible. You know, recently, 9 million N95 masks have gone to schools for teachers and 4 million triple fly cloth masks have gone to schools for, for kids. And, you know, before Christmas, there were 11 million of the, the rat tests, as they're called, rat, rapid engine tests that went out to kids. And then recently, another 3.5. Nine million of those tests uh, have gone out to kids, so they, those that are symptomatic can test. Ventilation's a huge, been a huge investment. There's been 73,000 of the HEPA units go around to our schools, mainly the older schools that don't have proper ventilation. The newer schools, a lot of them do have pretty good ventilation, but there's been a lot of uh, ventilation improvements that have been made in the schools too. Um, and, you know, one of the challenges is also having, with absenteeism, having enough teachers, so there's been changes made to allow retired teachers to be able to work and, and help out in the education system too. So I think the province has done a lot and is trying to do everything they can to keep kids in schools because I think for families and for mental health and for lots of other reasons, that's that's really important. Right, but I hear that there are still, you know, schools that have to have windows open. There's portables that don't have any kind of um, uh, filtration or uh, proper HVAC systems in. So they're, you know, teaching in the dead of winter with their windows open. Is is that something that you acknowledge needs to be improved? Well, I, I you know, as I say, seventy three thousand happy units have gone out to schools, and you know, I've seen the list of all the schools around Perry Sound, Muskoka, and it's mainly the older schools that that have received the HEPA units. Um, but, you know, we have, that's, that's a lot of HEPA units going around to a lot of schools. All right. So, you know, schools, you know, um, are currently right now, I guess, vaccinating the younger children. Is, is that the case? Yeah, so it's been a challenge. I think earlier on when with the 5 to 12-year-olds, we were laying some other provinces in terms of the number of kids getting vaccinated. So uh, locally, I know this Simcoe Muskoka District Health Unit is providing some clinics for vaccination in schools and with the permission of of parents. So uh, I believe a letter has gone out to get parents' permission. And, uh, and and clinics are planned in the schools. Newfoundland did that, and at one stage, I think earlier on, a few weeks ago, 70% of their kids, 5 to 12, 
were vaccinated when we were around 40%. So hopefully that will make, make a difference. If, if parents have concerns, uh, there's a, a consulting service with Sick Kids Hospital that is available to answer questions about uh, about uh, about the vaccine mm-hmm. for for kids. Now it seems that you know the province has been doling out a lot of funds, uh, especially in this region. I I think almost every other week you've made a funding announcement, but you know. Uh, you're also investing in uh, community centers and you know uh, sports facilities. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I was. I mean, I was pleased recently. There was 1.2 million dollars came into the area from the Trillium Foundation Community Building Fund. Uh, so a couple of our arenas have benefited from that. Key, key hubs for our area. You know, the uh, in in uh, Lake of Bays Township, the baseball arena. Uh, is receiving $500,000 towards the refrigeration unit. I've played many old and slow hockey games in that arena in the past. Not, not so much recently, but hopefully again in the future. Uh, the Bracebridge Seniors uh, Club has received $32,000 for ventilation improvements and air circulation. And I know I met with that club and they're keen to be able to get folks out and doing things in the club. Uh, Perry Sound, the community center, received $240,000 again for heating and ventilation. And the Sundridge Strong Jolly Arena up in Sundridge also received $500,000 for the rink floor and dasher boards and other other improvements. And we know how important those arenas and other facilities are in our communities. Right. And as well, municipalities receive some funds as well, right? Uh, yes, uh, that is correct. And uh, and. That was through the Municipal Modernization Fund, and I believe there's 13 actual projects that were approved all towards kind of making our municipalities more efficient and nimble and streamlined, and, uh, you know, housing's a big challenge. So, for example, I believe it's in Muskoka Lakes Township. There have a, a, their application that was approved was an e-permitting system to help to try to speed up approvals. Uh, Sundridge received three different programs, uh, one for operating and technology system modernization, another for the fire department management software, and a third one for rec- record digitalization and electronic uh, records management. Bracebridge also was successful in a digital modernization in Georgia Bay Township a Technology Communication Infrastructure Modernization and also Great Methurst and Bracebridge and Lake of Bays also had projects that were were approved. So I, I am happy to see those uh, those projects in our area to help make our municipalities uh, operate more efficiently. Super. And, and, you know, we're quickly running out of time. Do you have anything left you'd like to add? Um, no, no, just uh, I hope next time we're doing this, we're doing it in person, Jeff. I assume we will be. And uh, look forward to seeing you around, around Huntsville when I'm over there. Thanks. And that's been Nora Miller, our MPP for Perry Sound Muskoka. This is the Riding Report. I'm Jeff Carter. Thank you very much.